Bank of America gets a makeover, and we rank five payments companies. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show, folks. I am David Hansen, joined today by stock advisor analyst Brendan Matthews. Great to be here. I am normally joined by Matt Kopenheffer, but he is in South Africa right now. And before we started filming, you said you've actually been there. What is the craziest thing you saw ate in Africa? Uh, probably the, the craziest thing I did is I was within probably 25 feet of a multi-ton rhino separated by a two two uh, sort of strand barbed wire fence. That's Apparently, this was actually, this was in Swaziland, but mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was amazing. There we go. All right. Going on to stuff a little bit less exciting than that, going to our first headline from American Banker. American Banker, Rhino, same thing. Uh, the headline is, How Yellen Will Shape Fed's Banking Regulation. And this is from, again, American Banker. We hear a lot about Yellen, her quantitative easing stances. As an investor, if she's potentially going to be a more involved regulator, does mm-hmm. this impact the way you look at stocks in the financial sector, whether it be banks, payments companies like MasterCard. Does mm-hmm. that change it at all? Uh, at, at present, no. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just go back and say what we've heard that from Yellen is that she wants to be more interested in, in, in the regulatory side of things, but she's made very few comments on her stance on regulation, so we don't know what kind of regulation will be. So for the time being, I'm, I'm just looking for, for great companies, great mm-hmm. business models, and not worrying about the sort of regulatory risk. Yeah, it reminds me of something that Jamie Dimon always goes back to is, yes, there's a lot of accounting issues, there's a lot of regulatory issues outstanding about the bank, but mm-hmm. at the core, it's about the customers, whether it be big international clients, retail cons- customers. So whether you're, when you're offering a business that, that people need and people want, that's the really important thing. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next headline from the Charlotte Observer, my hometown newspaper. Bank of America rolls out new, smaller branches, so they're getting a little bit more technological savvy, I guess, and reducing the footprint I saw this as as positive news. Okay, they could potentially save costs in the long run. This is just a pilot, but before we started filming, you said this may not be a good move. Well, so I, I, I like the idea of a, a smaller footprint. You, you you use your space more efficiently. You don't need a huge branch. Mm-hmm. But what, the thing that I, I found a little bit ludicrous that they're doing is they're putting uh, basically video screens on ATM machines. Right. So you would go to the bank and and uh, video chat with someone. I mean, would you would you do that? I mean, it certainly wouldn't be easier than just talking to someone, but, but as a shareholder, I would potentially be happy if, it, if it's costing the bank a lot less money. Um, yeah, and it's possible, and I, I think what we're going to see from Bank of America, Wells Fargo, um, over time, they're probably going to reduce their, their branch footprint, mm-hmm. their closing branches, and that's not, not to say that their business is, is, is dying. Mm-hmm. They're still doing great with deposits. You just don't need as many branches right. because we've got a great online banking channel. Right. All right, moving on to the final headline of the day. From the Wall Street Journal, AIG talks to sell ILFC leasing unit said to be continuing. And for those of our viewers, our listeners who don't know the story, AIG trying to sell this unit to a group of Chinese buyers. Then Mm -hmm. it came out and said that they missed a payment. Yep. And it fell apart, and we didn't know what was going to happen. And Ben Mache came out and said maybe it would be IPO, but now I guess it's back on. So, yeah, so uh, basically they they signed a deal with these Chinese Chinese investors. Mm -hmm. Um, They said the check is in the mail. And the check never came. Right. Uh, it's, it's almost a laughable situation. Uh, it gets a lot of headlines for a really small deal. It's it's a less than a five billion dollar deal. If you look at AIG, it's it's book value. The it, the value of its total equity is mm-hmm. over a hundred billion dollars. So you're talking about, you know, just five percent of, of its of its book value. And I, I would like to see the deal closed because I think it would be great for AIG to be able to repurchase m- more shares with right. that cash. But I, I, I'm not worried about this Chinese situation. If it doesn't, if it doesn't go through, 
an IPO will work. Right. Uh, stepping back from just this one point with AIG, the stock's mm-hmm. been on a good run. A lot of hedge fund managers out there have said, hey, it's my, it's my biggest holding. It's one of my biggest holdings. Yep. Stock's been on a run this year. Do you still think it's an attractive stock today? I, I, I do. Um, it's, it's still at a 30% discount to book. Mm-hmm. Um, they still are planning to repurchase a, a lot of shares. And I think there's been a lot of positive momentum in terms of the, the actual underwriting uh, processes and mm-hmm. the combined ratio. And I still think it's a great, a great buy now. All right. I agree with you. Uh, moving on to our next segment, going to take a look at another stock that, that's been on your radar and that you think could have some potential. And that's Capital One. Yep. Uh, this is, most people think of, okay, just the credit cards. Right, The right. commercials, there's a lot more to Capital One, right? Right, so the, the credit card business is about 40% of their earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remaining 60% comes from business and retail banking. And I, I, I think, it, it's a, overall, it's a very well-run bank. It's sixth largest bank in the U.S., 10% return on equity, which is very good. And they have sort of a hidden asset I- inside of their banking business, which is the largest online bank mm-hmm. in the U.S., in uh, it's called I well it was called yeah, ING yeah. Direct and now it's Capital One 360. I'm a customer, great service. Um, I, I'm really bullish on the future for online banking, and I think it's great that they have the biggest online bank in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things I think with Capital One that gets overlooked is they've been run by the same guy since they've since they've been public. You look at Bank of America, Citigroup, yep. even J.P. Morgan, it seems like Jamie Dimon's been there forever. He hasn't been there yeah. forever. He came over with Bank One. You look at Capital One, they've had the same leader for, for decades. Now. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's something we love at Stock Advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, we love founder-led, owner-operator businesses, and, and the CEO has basically built the business from the, the ground up over 20 years, and I, I, that, that speaks volumes to me. Right. When we look at Capital One, they were involved in the TARP program going back to 2008, 2009, and part of that program is the outstanding warrants right. that, that the Treasury had that are now available to investors. You own these warrants. I do. What, what is it about these warrants that you think is attractive? Well, let me first just basically explain what a warrant is. It's, okay. it's, it's more or less a, a long-dated call option, mm-hmm. so it gives you the right to buy a stock at a certain price at a certain point in the future. So these particular warrants... Um, have a, give you the right to buy Capital One shares for forty two dollars in twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, so 2018. five years. From so now. you have five years. Um, the stock of Capital One is around sort of the high sixties, about sixty six dollars a share. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of the warrants is about twenty seven dollars. So you're paying about three dollars of time value for five years of appreciation mm-hmm. of the stock. Um, and I think it's it's I like I like the underlying. Um, Capital One stock, I think it could be a, a 10 to 15 percent returner. Mm-hmm. But I think if you buy the options or the the, the warrants, it right. could be a, a little riskier, but it's going to be a higher return profile. So somewhere around 20 to 30 percent mm-hmm. if the stock performs in line with sort of its historicals in my, my models. Right. And when we talk about the risk part of that equation, it's that they don't make it to the profitability, a, a, an amount over that strike price. Right, that right. Make it worth your while. Because if it doesn't, then it's kind of a worthless investment. So, yeah, if you if Capital One warrant if Capital One stock in 2018 is below $42 a share, you will have lost 100% of your mm-hmm. investment and that's that's a big risk. I don't think the Capital One, I think it's unlikely that it's that will will be below $42 mm-hmm. a share in, in 5 years, but it, it's an absolute risk. Yeah, it's a, certainly an, an interesting area because it like I said with the TARP, it's not just Capital One 
that these are floating out there. Wells Fargo has them. Bank of America has them. Yeah, most and most of the big the banks ha- have mm-hmm. them. Um, these are one of the more illiquid warrants, right. and I think that's one of the reasons why they're sort of cheaper and more attractive than, say, the Wells Fargo warrants or the Bank of America warrants, because they're more thinly traded, less institutions are able to come in and find mm-hmm. out about them. So I think it's a sort of an opportunity for individual investors to, to take advantage of their small size. Great. All right, moving on to our next segment, our game for the day. Going to play a round of Rank It. This is where we throw out five companies and we each give our rankings. And we kind of have a theme with this one today. Mm-hmm. We're going with companies that have to deal with the payment system, kind of either directly, indirectly. Mm-hmm. And our five companies are Green Dot, American Express, mm-hmm. MasterCard, Western Union, and eBay, and some people might say, eBay, what the, that's not a payments company, but, but, but they have Almost PayPal. half the business is PayPal, which exactly. is absolutely a payments business. So we are throwing that one in there, even though it's p- just part of eBay now. So I will let you do your rankings first. Okay, so I'm going I'm to start at the top, but before I go through this, I just want to frame two things that I think about when I think about payment processing. Mm-hmm. So first, 80% of the world's transactions happen now in cash. I expect that to change over the next you know, f- several decades. Mm-hmm. Also, half of the world's adults don't have bank accounts. Wow. So just with that as a background, my favorite on this whole list is MasterCard. Um, I, I see more and more transactions going through in, in uh, electronically instead of cash. And uh, Ma- MasterCard's super profitable, uh, asset light business, totally poised to take advantage of that. All right. We're going to jump over to my rankings just for a second because okay. I have a question about MasterCard because I ranked it first as well. You can see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look at MasterCard, I, I see everything that you're saying, but this is a stock and I don't own it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are out there probably saying, just always looks a little bit too yep. expensive to me. Right. Is that one of those things that you just have to look at the performance to get over that hurdle of just saying it looks expensive on paper? Right, right. So if you just look at the PE, you, you probably would never buy this mm-hmm. stock. But one thing you have to understand is that um, it's, it's a super profitable business. It, it generates like 50% operating margins. Its returns on capital are extremely high because it's so asset light. That means almost all of its earnings are cash that can directly be distributed to shareholders mm-hmm. or can be uh, used to repurchase shares. And the company can grow without reinvesting much cash. Um, so if you kind of model out, I've, I've sort of modeled out the, the, the free cash flow from today's levels, and mm-hmm. I, I could see it easily being a double in five years. All right. I, I own the stock. Cool. I'll let you continue with your rankings then. Okay. So my, 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 second, my second favorite mm-hmm. is sort of stepping away from MasterCard, a, a high multiple, high class business. Uh, Western Union is a high class business, but it's not a, not a, not a high growth business, mm-hmm. and it's trading at a pretty low multiple. Right. It's, a, it's about a $12 billion company, and they spend been off about a billion dollars in cash a year. Mm-hmm. And remember I said half of the world's population is unbanked? Right. Well, people need to send cash across borders, and I don't, I don't see the other half of the world becoming unbanked or getting bank accounts within the next decade or two, right. and I see MasterCard or Western Union being a very valuable service for years to come. All right, what about three and four? What do you got? Three and four, eBay, love the, love the growth of PayPal. Actually like the rest of eBay. Um, I think they issue too much stock, but still love eBay um, to, to their employees. Uh, I, I, American Express coming in fourth. Uh, it's a great franchise, a great business. The only reason it's fourth is because there's so many other, these other businesses are, are, are better ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this sort of, I like the pure payment processor model that MasterCard is versus American Express being a, a processor and a bank. Right. And I don't think they have as much leverage to the growth of um, 
cash, uh, cash to electronic payments mm-hmm. in emerging markets. Right. And then, so number five. Green Dot, you're Green Dot. That. Come on. <laughs> so Green Dot is an interesting company because they have some pretty serious backers. Mm-hmm. Walmart has made a strategic investment in it. Uh, this, the, the founder owns a big chunk of the company. Um, Sequoia Capital, a famous inve- right. uh, venture capital firm, owns it. Um, and, but the problem is th- th- their job is to serve the unbanked, too. And I said half the world's population is unbanked. Well, that's not the case in the U.S. In the U.S., you know, we have 300-plus million people. Only about 17 million are unbanked. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that as, as those 17 million people being a huge opportunity. And I expect over time, more and more of those people will get bank accounts. Right. All right. We'll throw my rankings back up on the screen there. Man, and I just I was killing on Green Dot, too. They're ranked number five for me as well. I'll kind of work up the other way this, this time. And, and Green Dot is down there at five for a lot of the reasons that you just said. And also, you mentioned the partnership with Walmart. Yep. Walmart's also kind of got a partnership with American Express. Mm-hmm. American Express, we think of as a company that serves the very affluent, the very rich clients yep. around the world. But they also have this segment, Bluebird, mm-hmm. that caters to these prepaid cards, which is, which is what Green Dot is. Yep. And their rates actually look more attractive uh, on like a transaction basis than mm-hmm. Green Dot. So when I look at Green Dot, they have backers, they have first mover advantage, they have mm-hmm. somewhat of a brand value. Yep. But I think when you look at that space, it's going to come down to low-cost provider. And if American Express can, can charge less than Green Dot, they're going to... They certainly have a scale. They're going to get the market share there. Uh, going a little bit further up on the rankings there, I had eBay at number two. And you mentioned you like the marketplace business. I'm not crazy about it. I think it is a good business that has good margins. Yeah. But I, I look at PayPal and the moves they've been doing. It's just hard to imagine this not being a standalone company mm-hmm. in the future. I, I just think... At some point, they're going to spin off PayPal. Maybe they're really holding on to it because it's performing so well. But I think in the long run, I think it just makes so much sense as a standalone business. And I think they'll continue to get into stores. That's Mm -hmm. the question mark Mm -hmm. with PayPal is, okay, they're great online. Everyone loves PayPal online. And the mobile offering is outstanding. Exactly. But if they can get into those stores, they're getting into stores like Home Depot. Mm -hmm. That's a big step just for for the brand name. A lot of... I think a lot of younger people are using PayPal, but yeah. if they can get to those to those older generations and really get the brand power, it, it can be a powerful franchise. American Express, si- similar thoughts uh, as as well uh, from you. And Western Union, you had it ranked a little bit higher. I'm not quite. You, you maybe convinced me a little bit. Maybe I want to bump it up to three now. You, you had a had a good pitch they, for they Western have, Union. They have right? certainly struggled recently. Um, the stock about you know, six months or so ago, they announced lower earnings. Stocks dropped 30%. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically since recovered, but it's, it's not an exciting stock. It's kind of right. a value play. And you mentioned it's not valued for perfection either. It's a, it's no. a low multiple stock, but I look back at, at the last 10 years, and the growth just hasn't been there. They, do, they do generate a fair amount of cash, but on the actual bottom line or even on a, an EBITDA basis, just not been a lot fairly sluggish the last 10 years. So... Not not totally down on it. I think there is opportunity there, but they're number four. So okay. that'll, that'll wrap it up for Rank It. Moving on to our final segment of the day on the Twitter sphere. Our first tweet of the day. This is interesting. This is from our own Scott Phillips. He's over in Australia, right? Yeah, he's the uh, advisor on our Australian service share advisor. There we go. And he said, here's what investors should do differently as a result of the U.S. shutdown. 
And that's the end of the tweet. Blank. That's, that's, that's it. He Blank. didn't give us anything. Brendan, are you doing anything differently with this government shutdown? I'm doing nothing different, differently at all. Come on, I've got to find one person. I've had you in here. I've had Morgan Housel, Simon Erickson. You guys have all said, I don't care. Does no uh, one care? Well, the, the, only way, the, only, the only way it affects me is the metro runs less frequently because there's less federal government. It's less crowded, computers. though. There yeah, it's less crowded. So nothing. Nothing. Doesn't change your, Doesn't your change opinion me. on MasterCard? Not at all, no. <laughs> okay, good. All right, moving on to our next tweet. This is a really interesting quote here from Peter Latman. He says, each year, the editor of the student newspaper interviewed the class valedictorian. Miss Yellen, that's Janet Yellen, was both. So she interviewed herself. Man, that's, that's strong. That's a strong high school. Pro- or was that high school or was that I, college? I'm, I'm not. I'm not even sure. Either but way, I have two thoughts on that. Number one, sounds like the most boring article you could possibly <laughs> read an interview with a valedictorian. Um, second, actually, maybe I would like to read it because I'd like to know if Yellen asked herself tough questions mm-hmm. or if she just gave herself softballs. Where was that from? Do you know? Uh, was it just pulled? Because uh, it was in quotes. I, I assumed it was from some article or something, but maybe that's something we need to look into. Yep. Get our hands on that exciting article. All right, moving on to the final tweet of the day. This one is from Crowd Turtle. This is a great person to follow on Twitter, too. He's got some great insights out there. He says, my investing style in one sentence, go where the fire is and see what's up. So I pulled this out because I think a lot of people like to gravitate towards stocks that have been underperforming. And mm-hmm. we just mentioned Western Union. Okay, it's down 30%. Now's my time to go in and investigate. Is this the time to buy? On the other side, you look at a company like MasterCard that's basically never pulled back significantly. Yeah. It's always just continued its run. Personally, do you look for stocks that are, that are kind of hated, unwanted, or do you look for those ones that are just growing continuously? Uh, a, a mix. So, mm-hmm. for instance, we've talked about AIG. That was certainly an ugly duckling stock that, right. I, that I liked. Um, but in general, I try to, I try to find a, a good business, and if... There's some kind of uh, temporary noise that, that's pushing down the stock to a better valuation. I, I, th- I think that's attractive, and, and, and certainly being a contrarian has, has proved as, as a good strategy mm-hmm. for, in investing for years. All right. Well, thanks for being here today, Brendan. We appreciate it. Thanks for watching, folks, and thanks for listening. If you're on iTunes, we are now on iTunes now. You can find us there. You can also tweet at us. We are at TMF Financials. You can tweet your questions, comments, and we'll address them right here on the show. I will be back here tomorrow. With Billy Kipperstock, we will be talking about Wells Fargo's earnings and J.P. Morgan's earnings. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.